Hi, guys. Welcome back to Box Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivory, your host. Today, we're talking about zombies. There is so very much to be worried about these days. There's global warming, financial collapse, the inability of our government to get anything done, it seems like, tsunamis, earthquakes, you name it. If you ask Max Brooks, though, the greatest threat of all is zombies. Brooks first sounded a warning call in 2003 with a zombie survival book. He followed that up three years later with World War Z, a phenomenally popular oral history account of a massive zombie outbreak. It is with great pleasure today, and a little bit of trepidation, of course, that we're speaking with Max Brooks. He is sitting at a layover in O'Hare Airport in Chicago. We do hope, among other things, that he'll speak to particular threats, zombies posed to Jews, and that he might also maybe draw out what, if any, connections there are between his work as a zombie expert and the work of his father, the actor and comedian Mel Brooks. Max Brooks, welcome to Vox Tablet. Thank you. Good to be here. So we're talking to you just a couple of days before Halloween. Is there a heightened threat of zombie infestation during Halloween? Uh, no, but there is a heightened threat of friendly fire. What does that mean? Well, I think that uh, Halloween is coming, so there's going to be a lot of people trick-or-treating as zombies, and there may be a heightened statistical example of people being accidentally decapitated because we thought they were zombies. Ah, okay. So the first warning that we want to tell people is to try to avoid uh, dressing up as a zombie this Halloween. Uh, and to people who are afraid of zombies, please don't be proactive. <laughs> okay. Let's back up, if you don't mind, and explain in the simplest terms who or what zombies are and what exactly do they do that is just so terrible. Uh, well, I think when we say the word zombie, we're actually talking about a misnomer. Uh, the word zombie really refers to uh, the, the ancient legend of the individual corpse raised by the dead by the dark arts. Uh, the zombies we talk about nowadays are the post-1968 George Romero-esque flesh-eating horde. And they can't talk, is that right? They cannot talk. They cannot talk, they cannot dance, uh, they cannot skate. They have no other skills than slouching towards us and tearing us apart and devouring us. And they don't eat food except us. We're it. We're it. We're their sustenance. That's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Turning into a zombie seems like it would be particularly uh, scary, a very bad scenario for Jews, and I'm going to lay out the reasons why. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to traffic in some stereotypes. The first one is that Jews, for the most part, like to talk, and they like to talk a lot. So uh, there's that. If you're a zombie and you can't talk, then that's going to be tough if you're Jewish and you're somebody who likes to talk. But then there's also this issue of impurity because, of course, Judaism is somewhat obsessed with impurity and avoids things having to do with blood and death. I mean, there's all kinds of purification rituals that surround death. So if you have to be a zombie, you can't talk, and you're dead, but you are basically a cannibal, it's just really not what you want if you're Jewish. No, I think, uh, I think you're right. Jews are talkers. We're also thinkers. Those are our two favorite things, is to think about everything and then talk about it obsessively. Uh, zombies are doers. So I think that is counterintuitive to our point of view. Is there anything, any precautions that Jews should take in particular in trying to avoid a zombie onslaught? I don't think so. I think Jews are, are it might be in a better position than the average Gentile because we are naturally paranoid. <laughs> so we're already looking over our shoulders, and zombies are just one more thing that we're looking for. 
Now, one of the things you've emphasized in your work on zombies and zombie uh, preparedness is that prevention is possible. What are the most fundamental measures that should be taken? And what do you see as the single greatest threat to those measures being taken? Uh, well, I think the, the best thing you can do is work together as a group. And I know that's, um, that's unpalatable nowadays, especially in the political climate. But I think if we pay attention to world events, we work together, we act decisively, we act quickly, then uh, the zombie outbreak will be very small. Max, uh, I want to talk about you for a moment. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that among the various apocalyptic fantasies that there are out there in the world, the one about zombies, it just doesn't have that big of a hold on me. What is it about zombies that draws you to them? Well, I think for me, it's, it is it is the notion that they are an apocalyptic threat, and I think they are, uh, at least when I was growing up, they were these, the, the main apocalyptic threat. Um, you know, all other monsters are individuals, like the one vampire or the one werewolf, and you have to go find them. You have to go to their castle or their swamp or whatnot. The zombies come to us. The zombies are sort of the embodiment of a walking plague, and it's the notion of plague. It's the notion of sort of an existential threat, uh, a slate wiper. Uh, is That is what truly terrifies me. When did you first start uh, thinking about them, and what, what kind of real-life fears were they standing in for? Well, I don't think they were real-life fears. I think they were, they were um, adolescent uh, trauma. When I was 13, my parents got HBO for the first time, and uh, they went to dinner, and they left me because, you know, that's what you did in the 80s. Um, so as a 13-year-old boy, I snuck into the room to watch HBO to watch you-know-what. Um, I turned on the TV, and I flicked around, and I, I didn't see any boobies, but I did see some zombies. Okay. <laughs> An Italian zombie movie that I, I am pretty sure... Uh, to quote Herman Cain, uh, I don't have any facts to back this up, but I am 99% sure that this movie used uh, cannibal footage, documentary cannibal footage from New Guinea that they edited into the movie. Uh, and when you're 13, and life's already a little weird, and you've got hair growing in weird places, and you don't know what the future's going to bring, and you see that, that tends to bring a little bit of trauma. So... So that was your first exposure to zombies. How did it happen then that you didn't uh, reject them outright, but you kind of embraced them and wanted to know more about them? Well, I know this is going to sound very weird talking to a, a Jewish audience, but I tend to be obsessive, mm -hmm. to be analytical. Uh, so I tend to explore uh, notions that uh, that are either interesting or terrifying. And as a young Jewish boy, that's what I did. I thought about them and thought about them and thought about them, and they never seemed to go away. Uh, and eventually, uh, I decided to write about them. Do you think at all that one of the uh, fears or one of the ideas of sort of an army of uh, evildoers uh, might have been mimicking is the Holocaust and the Germans and, you know, the terrible things that they did? Well, I, I think that's definitely part of it. I think that uh, the notion that there is no gray area that as a Jew in Europe uh, during the Second World War, uh, it was it was fight or die or flee or die. That there there was no room for negotiation. You could not be a collaborator, uh, and I think that's that's truly terrifying, especially to uh, our cultural mindset that always seems to try and find a third way, or we try to intellectualize uh, the notion that there's somebody coming to kill us mm -hmm. uh, for nothing that we did. So I think there was that. I think there was also growing up in the 1980s at a time when AIDS was making its big debut. Uh, that was truly terrifying. You know, hey, boys and girls, you know those special new feelings you have? Well, they can kill you. Mm -hmm. 
And I based the, uh, our reaction to the zombie virus on the world's reaction to AIDS. Uh, because in my world, zombies are very easy to stop. They don't have superpowers, and they're not particularly strong or agile, and they're clearly not very smart. So how in the world could they take over the world? And that's exactly the same thing with AIDS. How could a disease that is neither airborne nor waterborne nor foodborne, how in the world could it become a global pandemic? And I watched it happen. I watched through our own stupidity and short-sightedness uh, and cultural taboos. Uh, that we let the genie out of the bottle, and uh, we will never get it back in. Mm-hmm. Now, your father is Mel Brooks, and Mel Brooks is known for many things. But in thinking about your work, there's one uh, there's one production in particular that comes to mind, and that's The Producers. Of course, The Producers is a dark comedy about a couple of greedy producers who come up with this crazy scheme to create a huge theatrical flop uh, of a musical about Hitler. Instead of it being a flop, of course, they wind up with a huge hit, a blockbuster. Do you see your zombie work at all in that vein as dark comedy really expressing our deepest fears? Uh, no, no. If, if, there's a, if there's a joke, the joke is on me. Uh, because I never intended to be funny. And if anyone thinks it's funny, that's their problem. I was just uh, a guy with a childhood phobia about zombies and thought I'd write a book about it. Mm-hmm. You've said that World War Z, uh, an oral history of the zombie war, was inspired by the work of Studs Terkel, uh, by his great oral history about World War II, which is called The Good War. Tell us a little bit what appealed to you about that work in particular. I think what appealed to me about The Good War is the global scope of it. Um, you know, like many kids, I grew up thinking that World War II was uh, essentially private riot, just a, a group of soldiers in, uh, in Northwest Europe, and they're sort of small adventures along the way. And reading The Good War in high school really gave me a sense of how massive that war was, and not just the, the soldiers on the front lines. What was it like to live through the Blitz, or what was it like to be in a prisoner of war camp, or what was it like to work in a factory? What was it like to be black? What was it like to be gay? What was it like to be a woman? What was it like to be Russian, German, French, Japanese? I mean, you really get a sense, my God, the whole planet is at war. So when it came time for me to write about a global pandemic, I used the good war as my template. Mm-hmm. Are there other uh, other uh, cultural artifacts which helped you uh, envision what your work was going to look like? I've always loved oral histories. Uh, I should say that I am very dyslexic, and so I've loved, and I've also loved history. So for me, listening to oral histories has always been very close to my heart. And I found them always to be a, a fascinating way of telling stories. Another book I read in research for World War Z was Japan at War. And it was an oral history of uh, Japan during the Second World War. Uh, and that, that was a mind-blower in that Japan has always been sort of an alien country to me. Uh, and it humanized it. Now, I have to uh, make a confession. I'm not as well-versed in the uh, zombie genre uh, in all of its manifestations, film and books and comic strips and so forth, as some of my coworkers who are huge That's zombie okay. fanatics. No, don't worry about it. Okay, thank you. But so this question is kind of, I'm channeling them here uh, on this one. But, it, you know, talking about George Romero, as you did earlier, he tied his uh, zombie films to trends in American politics. So Night of the Living Dead was a statement on racial tension in the 60s and Dawn of the Dead on the paranoid and hopelessness of the 70s and Day of the Dead on the chauvinist and greedy 1980s. 
there's like this resurgence now. I mean, you have The Walking Dead on television. You have this new novel, Zone One, by Colson Whitehead about a zombie apocalypse in New York City. What are modern zombies a comment on in your view? I think modern zombies are a way for people to exercise their uh, apocalyptic anxieties. And I think we have a lot of those now. I think that um, in the 80s and 90s, you didn't see a lot of zombie movies uh, because times were very good and uh, people were withdrawn into their lives. And if there were problems, they were very small and very personal. And now you turn on CNN and it feels like every day there is a new uh, disaster. There is global warming, a global financial meltdown, uh, the global war on terror. Uh, it, it feels like the problems are so big, it feels almost like the system is unraveling. And that's exactly how people felt in the 1970s. They felt that their system was coming apart at the seams. And for them, zombie movies were a great way to explore that notion without it being too real. Finally, I want to ask you, are you going to be dressing up for Halloween? No, no, I'm just going to be the father of a six-year-old Spider-Man. Spider-Man, okay. (laughs) Does your child share your um, fear about zombies? No, but um, he does love the the online video game uh, Plants vs. Zombies. It's Mm -hmm. an awesome game. My son and I, we play it together all the time, where zombies are coming across your backyard, and you have to plant plants that will eat or shoot or explode the zombies. I love that because that makes zombies be a metaphor for uh, climate change. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's my two favorite things. My only hobby, other than hiking, is gardening. So plants and zombies, I mean, that pretty much encapsulates me. That's excellent. I love that. Well, have a good holiday. Enjoy. Beware. And thank you so very much for speaking with us. Well, thank you. That was my pleasure. Max Brooks is the author of World War Z, an oral history of the zombie war. It's now being made into a film. It will star Brad Pitt, and it's due out next December. Is there an obvious zombie-Jew connection that we're overlooking? Let us know. I would hate to not know about such a thing. You can send an email to podcast at tabletmag.com. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivory. As always, thanks for listening, and have a happy Halloween.